Hey, NATSO members, uh, welcome to the uh, next episode here on the uh, NATSO uh, podcast. Uh, my name is Carson Biggs. I am uh, at the University of Kentucky, and uh, my title is Ticket Operations Coordinator. I'm pleased to be joined today by our co-host, uh, Matt Carson. Um, he is at Colorado State, um, and our guest, Garrett Classy. Uh, gentlemen, good to have you, and welcome on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, today we'll, we'll kind of go through, uh, Garrett, just wanted to bring you on, kind of go through your journey in college athletics and uh, got some interesting uh, stories and backgrounds. So I've uh, noticed just reading off your uh, bio here, you know, uh, Garrett started, uh, he's now the, he's the senior deputy AD at Nebraska. Um, he uh, has been there since July of 2019. Uh, he came there from uh, the University of uh, Illinois at Chicago, where he was the athletic director. Uh, starting in August of 2017. Um, let's see. He was all, also the um, senior associate AD uh, for external relations at George Washington University for four years. Um, also at uh, the University of Oregon uh, in ticket in the ticket office um, and also in uh, development. Uh, before Oregon, he was at he was at the University of Alabama as the assistant uh, director of ticket operations and uh, before that at Tulane uh, University as director of ticket operations and uh, got his start at uh, the University of Wisconsin as a student intern uh, and ticket sales representative for four years. So a uh, plethora of, of different experiences and opportunities you've had and uh, excited to dive into you know your journey in college athletics and uh, kind of how uh, what what you what you took from a uh, job opportunity to the, to the job opportunity. So, uh, so I'll just kind of jump in uh, here. First question, um, you know, started out in the ticket office at Wisconsin um, in 1995 and was there for four years and eventually uh, transitioned to ticket service representatives, uh, ticket service representatives. So tell me a little bit about um, that experience um, and how it shaped uh, you and help you get other roles in college athletics uh, to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. Let me just start off by thanking both of you for having me on here. I think it's ironic. I'm probably dating myself, but I'm sure you guys don't remember the Johnny Carson, the Tonight Show. But I have Carson and Carson here, and Johnny Carson's from Nebraska, and we have the Carson Center for Emerging Media. So I feel like I'm on the on the Tonight Show with you guys. So thanks for having me. But um, I mean. The, what I did as a student, as an intern at the University of Wisconsin shaped um, really a, a large portion of my career. Um, I think nowadays almost every school in the country has a sports management degree program. And so uh, you can follow a career track and you can learn about college athletics prior to even getting into the getting into the work experience side of things. And so I was able to work for uh, an amazing gentleman named John Sheffield, who was a, like a second father to me. And he was the one that, you know, told me that I had talent and that he really uh, that I really uh, showed the qualities that you needed to, to move on and have a successful career in college athletics. And that's when I began to start looking at college athletics and specifically ticket, ticketing um, specifically as a, as a career. I grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin, and so my motivation wasn't necessarily graduate with a 4.0. My motivation was not to go back to the dairy farm. It was a lot of hard work, and I loved doing it, but I, I didn't want to go back. And so what kid wouldn't dream of working in sports? And that's when I realized that it was uh, 
going to be a, a career for me. And so he opened my eyes to other opportunities across the country, just looking into his career, um, spending time at Florida State, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, you know, University of Cincinnati from, from Wisconsin. And, and I've really enjoyed it. But I think, you know, the one thing that I would tell all the NATSO folks that are, that are listening to this call is that uh, you should be happy and proud that you work in the ticket office. If you think of, of college athletics, how many other departments in an athletic department actually touches everything, um, all the constituents in the athletic department from the students to the coaches, to all the workers, to the donors, to the season ticket holders like the ticket office. And, and you're able to have relationships with all the necessary uh, key people in the department, and, and as well as you're not only an external facing unit, you're an internal unit. You have business operations, you know, you're, you're balancing a budget, you have to reconcile stock. Um, I mean, it, it really it really is a springboard, whether you want to stay in tickets or move to different areas for anything. You can turn it into a development job, a, a marketing job, a ticket office job, a communications job, you name it. So I think that was the first thing that my mentor in this business, John Sheffield, taught me is that tickets is, is a wonderful, wonderful world, but it's the best place to start in any athletic department, and you can do whatever you want with that from there. So. Um, you know, I I know I didn't answer a lot of the questions on, on the foundational stuff, but I, I think I, I feel strongly. I, I would not be where I am without my experience in the ticket office. Great, great. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's good to hear as a uh, uh, ticketing uh, young professional uh, with less than five years experience, that's good to hear, you know, good to see, you know, just have that perspective. Um, so uh, I noticed, you know, going from the – uh, intern kind of ticket service representative at Wisconsin to uh, looks like in 2000 you jumped directly into the director of ticket operations at Tulane. So talk to me about kind of that transition. I have to imagine that that would be you know, taking on more responsibilities. Uh, you know, talk to me how, how that uh, went for you. Well, a little fun fact that's not known is that I actually had a short five-month stint prior to Tulane, but it was also in New Orleans. I was assistant box office manager at the Louisiana Superdome, and that's really what what springboarded me over to Tulane because the back then Tulane played all their home games at the Superdome, so I was a liaison um, from the Superdome with the Tulane athletic department, and from there is where I developed a great working relationship. And I would say really it was right place, right time. I mean, at that point Tulane was in Conference USA, wasn't in the American Athletic Conference, uh, had a much smaller budget than they have today. And they needed someone to fill a spot um, immediately. And I was right place, right time. So I jumped on the opportunity. And to be honest, it was scary going from having limited experience to being a director of ticket operations. And, you know, obviously not the same magnitude as far as a fan base and number of tickets as Wisconsin and Superdome. But still, you know, a top 15 baseball team in that time um, sold about 25,000 tickets a game for football in the Superdome. Um, so, a lot more responsibility, and, and quite honestly, I was scared, but I've always been a person that I take action. I'm not an over, I don't overly overthink things, I guess is the best way to put it. I'd rather take action, which in turn, you make more mistakes, but you get more things done, and, and I'm not afraid to reach out for assistance and help and guidance. I've, I've never had a huge ego, to be honest with you. I, I just care about getting the job done and showing my employer that you're going to get some return on your investment in me. And it's going to be a great uh, return on that investment. And so, um, 
Yeah, a learning curve, different ticketing system, going from Pacquiao to Ticketmaster at that time. Uh, a lot of learning curve, only a staff of two. And and another little known fact, not only did I run the bo- or the ticket office at Tulane, I also had to run the retail shop. And I had never worked in retail in my life. So a lot of different things going on in my life, but it's like any challenge. You just take it and you run with it and do the best you can given the opportunity. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's important, you know, for me, you know, I've tried to, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to get yourself out of your comfort zone, but you know, it's most of the time it's worth it and it's uh, rewarding to do that. So, uh, so uh, looking at, you know, just your, your start in your career, you know, as somebody at my level, how did you go about defining success? You know, with, you know, you've, you've kind of taken the job, you know, what, what was your focus or, you know, how did you define success early on in your career to kind of set you up uh, for where you are now? I would say early on, you define success on, do you make your boss look good? Are you doing all the right things to um, uh, make sure that nothing's being elevated and then you're taking care of your job and your task at hand? And I think that that probably takes me back to my blue collar dairy farmer uh, experience because you just, you worked hard to get the job done. And I think nowadays there's such an emphasis on networking, networking, networking. And, you know, that's important. I don't want to minimize the importance of networking. But I think people lose the fact that in order to move on and move up, it's about outperforming your current role. It's not about making the most connections at NACTA to see who can pass out the most business cards. That That's not what it's about. It's about working hard. Because I promise every person listening to this podcast that if you all perform your current role, especially as I mentioned earlier, you touch every single person in the athletic department, every single donor, every single season ticket holder, you do your job, there's going to be other other responsibilities, uh, higher responsibilities either at the place you work or at other, at other institutions. So um, long-winded answer to your question, but I define success. Uh, was I completing my own task? Um, was I doing it correctly? Um, when I was done with that task, was I asking to help with more? Was I trying to, to, to gain more experience in other areas? Um, you know, you got to be willing to learn and you got to be willing to, um, you know, work hard. And those are the two biggest things. And so um, ticket office, I know sometimes it can be hard because I, I, I understand it, it. It can be a thankless job. You probably um, you probably get more um criticism than you do praise and so it can be discouraging for people you're taking the complaints you know if someone has a complaint about gum under their seat at a game it's coming in the ticket office if someone's mad because an athletic director uh, made a uh, what they felt was a bad decision on a coaching hire that call comes to the ticket office I mean you're the front porch for the entire athletic department so it can be thankless it can beat you up but let me tell you they are experiences that you'll carry with you forever And then, you know, looking at your bio, you know, where you've been, you've been numerous places, uh, different competition levels. Uh, You know, how did how have those been at those different schools versus rather than maybe one school? How have different experiences helped you become successful um, in the industry? Yeah, it's it's really been interesting. You know, it's helped me on multiple levels. One. Anytime that you can work for different leaders, whether they're good or bad, you're going to learn from that. And you have to be able to learn from it. And I work for some of the best. I work some, some, from some that I 
You know, I definitely won't use their leadership styles and how I lead, but at the same time, I learn from every single person, as well as being at large public institutions, to small private schools, to a um, working in you know, college towns, to urban environments. They all taught me something. But I would say my biggest takeaway would would be, you know, coming up in the ticket office, I was pretty naive. You know, there weren't resources available like they are now for everyone as far as learning the different areas of the department. And, you know, there wasn't D1 picker. There wasn't the you know, Mac the Daily News. There, were, there weren't publications like that. So you had to work hard to be a student in the business. And I think the thing that I realized, especially going from Alabama and Oregon to go into basketball center schools like George Washington and UIC, I always understood the revenue side. I always understood the customer experience side. Always understood the external side, but I never really understood the student athlete experience side, which is sad to say. But I think always when you work at these large institutions, you think you're doing tickets for the coaches, for the team, for the donors, and that you don't truly understand what these kids go through, the hard work they put in. Uh, you don't get to interact with the student athletes as much as you'd like at these larger institutions because you. You know, your roles are so defined and going to George Washington and having sport oversight and truly understanding why we do what we do. Everything we do is for the student athlete and and I will take that to my grave. And it's sad that it took me that late in my career to actually to understand that. But those are some of the favorite moments of my life was my first opportunity actually being involved intimately with the team and be able to be at practice and get to know the kids and understand the hard work they go through day in and day out. I wasn't lucky enough to be an elite, an, an elite athlete. Um, in my own mind, I was, you know, but I never played Division One uh, college sports. And so um, I think being able to pair that external ticketing experience with truly understanding what it means to support these student athletes in their endeavors and what they're doing every day, whether it's winning championships, whether it's getting a world-class education, whether it's preparing them for life after college, those things, um, those lessons became a lot clearer to me 10, 12 years ago once I started working at a um, little bit smaller institutions. Great stuff, great stuff, Garrett. And, uh, you know, as like I said, as someone that's, uh, as a young professional, it's, it's inspiring to see uh, you know, you kind of where you are and uh, kind of the experiences that you've had and uh, eventually to got you to where you are now at, at Nebraska. So uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to uh, Matt Carson and uh, he's going to take it from here. Great. Thanks. So, so the other half of the Carson show now tagging <laughs> in here to ask some questions of you. Uh, Garrett, you know, you, you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, uh, but, you know, when you're hiring, uh, you, you know, you talked about outperforming your job, but as you're hiring, you know, what qualities are you looking for when you're hiring your ticketing team or, or just in general? And how do you set your expectations uh, with those employees once they join your team? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of the same qualities um, that I look for in any any of these positions, but in the ticket office in particular, I, I you know, I. I have a no jerks rule, to be honest with you. I want I want to work with people I want to hang out with. That doesn't mean I'm going to hang out with the outside the office, but we, we work a lot of hours in college athletics. I want to work with good people, number one. Uh, number two, I want people that, that want to work hard. I think, you know, I, I, I never was really a big book reader in the last five years. I've, I've really gotten into these leadership books. And I think, you know, the everyone talks about the wooden pyramid of success. And John Wooden, obviously, had lots of layers to his pyramid of success, but he always said that nothing in the pyramid of success mattered as long as you had industriousness, 
enthusiasticness or and enthusiasm. And so industriousness is working hard and enthusiasm. So I, yeah, I want people who are gonna work hard and, and, and have fun and are excited about going to the office. So, I mean, those are the, the, the base foundation. And then going from there, you gotta be coachable. Um, you gotta be able to take action. I don't want ideas dying on the vine. You know, I think nowadays with all the resources out there, everyone's an idea person. Can you take an idea and, and make it come to fruition? There aren't very many people who can do that. A lot of people can, you know, throw out a lot of, you know, big, you know, goals at meetings. But what are you what are you doing to, to accomplish those goals? And I think especially in the ticket office, too, I, you know, I think a lot of the ticket offices I've worked with in my career and people I know, they they're very set in their ways. They're not willing to adapt to technology and they're not willing to uh, change with the time. So I want people that think boldly and I want people that are innovative and I want people that truly understand the enterprise of college athletics and have a growth mindset. I would say those are the key characteristics I look for. Oh, well, with that, I think, you know, talking about technology and adapting uh, to kind of throw the, the crystal ball question at you of, you know, where do you think the ticketing industry and our business is going, you know, post COVID in the next three to five years, obviously most people are, are transitioning mobile, but you know, yeah. what do you see out there with that and, and other potential opportunities? Yeah, I think COVID and this pandemic really sped up the, the, the future of the ticketing industry by about 10 years, to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I'll be the first one to admit, I, I guarantee at Nebraska, no one ever thought we'd go to mobile ticketing right now. I mean, if you look at our fan base, uh, they're the, the best fans in the world, but they're a uh, they're an aging fan base. And I, I think I'm not, you know, releasing any secret uh, information here. This isn't a hot take. I mean, it's very well known. And the fact that we're getting our fan base on board with mobile ticketing is something I bet um, the powers of be and the people that have worked here 10, 15, 20 plus years never thought they would see that day. And so obviously mobile ticketing is is what here is, is what is here now. Um, you know, the trends that I've seen in my life is that you know, all the ticket jobs early on, when I first started, were all operations jobs and the sales jobs were, weren't even existent. Now the sales jobs are almost more prominent than the operations jobs. And then, you know, I think, I just think the technology that's coming forward, but, you know, um, where we're headed, I mean, I don't, everything seems to be going to cryptocurrency. You know, what ticket office is going to be the first to accept uh, Bitcoin? You know, I think the Oakland A's are accepting Bitcoin for a for a, a suite that their baseball games. I mean, I think you got to watch that trend. I think um, I think the the customer service X um, point because uh, the, the the emphasis on customer service has to get stronger. I think a lot of places are doing an amazing job. I see a lot of institutions in, in, investing in bringing the the Disney Institute in to teach customer service, which is a heavy heavy investment, which has helped quite a bit. But I think at the end of the day, our job in the ticket office is always going to be how do you create a, uh, a great environment and easy ordering experience um, for our fans. I mean, I, I quite honestly, I, I try to be a visionary. I can't imagine what's next. You're able to email your tickets to a friend. Um, it's on your phone. You can order concessions at your seats. Um, you know, really, it's, it's, it's easy. I mean, gone are the days of the box office with 30 windows. I mean, who's walking up to a window? Who does online sales and, or uh, does on sales in person anymore? We do them. And Nebraska probably has more fans that come in person than a lot of places, but it's it's dwindled by a lot even since I've been here. And so, uh, boy, I wish 
Matt, I had a good answer for you, but um, you know, I, we monitor the trends. I just, I, I can't imagine what's next. It feels like the future is here now. Yeah, the future certainly got here a lot faster than anybody expected this year. Um, and There's it no will doubt. continue to arrive, it seems. But, um, so, as as ticketing units and as NATSO members, uh, you know, what what do you think that we can do as ticket offices to you, know, you, you alluded to it earlier. Everybody wants to make the, their boss look good. Um, that, that's a key thing in moving up. But you know, what can what can we do as ticket offices to help senior leadership uh, both you know understand the value of the ticket office and understand you know maybe some of the trends or things that can be brought forward? Or are there is there different things with data or things that would help you as a senior leader that you would love to see out of out of your ticketing team? I think there's a couple areas. One, I don't, in my role, overseeing all external and other areas here at Nebraska, I don't always want to be the idea person. I want people to bring big ideas to me and not just bring them to me, but have a plan to implement them. I I think, you know, there's just so many, this industry is changing so rapidly and we need to stay on top of it. And I think college athletics, quite honestly, is such a copycat business, has been forever. You know, if someone does it, the next person's going to do it. But I don't think you need to be a student of just when I say student of business, don't don't look at other colleges all the time. There's some people across the world doing great things. Are you looking at the Premier League? Are you looking at the Australian Cricket League? Are you looking at the Indie League, Formula One? I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff out there and a ton of content. So I want uh, our ticket office to come up with some new, bold, innovative ideas that that makes us look good, make their boss look good, right? That's the premise of it. And then I think the other part is, to be team players. I, you know, I, a few of the places I've worked, I've been a little disappointed on, on how uh, the external units work in silos. You know, they, you know, I, I've, everywhere I've been, it's been consistent. The ticket office is at odds with the marketing department or the marketing department's odd with the ticket office or the development office isn't happy with the ticket office or vice versa. I think people, um, when those areas, those units are operated as one and they realize that you're one cohesive unit, that one can't work without the other, then we're going to be much better off as an industry because these jobs are very interchangeable and we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. And so I want our ticket office to not operate in a silo. I want them to be able to work hand in hand with the communications office, to work hand in hand with the marketing office. You know, they're not their separate entity. They're not the ones marketing their own tickets, you know, and if they're writing their own emails to the to season ticket holders and customers, they shouldn't be, you know, there's professional writers on staff that, they write box scores and write articles for a living that are professionals. We need to we need to learn, you know, and everywhere is guilty of it, at least that I know of, that we, we need to work as a team. You need to be one. I don't like calling them ticket office, marketing office. I call everyone that works in external word the external team, you know, and creatives involved in it. I mean, why would the ticket office create their own creative for an email that's going out when we have a creative team here? It doesn't make sense. We all have to work as one. And the ticket office isn't any more guilty than any other office. They all are. It's just how it's been set up, and we need to change that. We need to break those barriers. Nice. Well said. Something we've all probably been guilty of here and there. I have been myself. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 guilty as charged as well. 
Um, you know, you've talked about, you know, looking at what's next as well as, you know, finding the right fit uh, in, in your role as overseeing senior leadership, whether that be with partnering with technology, partnering with uh, with outside entities, be those outsourced partners or, or multimedia things. How, do, how have you evaluated what was right for the institution you were at uh, when, when working with partners and how have you approached, you know, that that position when you've been in it? I mentioned this earlier, you know, the number one thing is what is your return on investment? Do you have the staff that can handle these roles that you're outsourcing or partnering with? Um, or if you don't, and what value is that going to bring? How does that fit into your mission statement? What is that, you know, how does that fit into um, what you want to accomplish as a department or, or as a unit? And I think there's, there's so many, I mean, in my role, I must get 15 to 20 emails a day from outside third-party vendors that want to sell us something. And I'm sure they're all great companies, and I'm sure they're all amazing people. And when you've been in the business 25 years like me, you're probably friends with most of them. Um, but it's tough. You can't do it all. Um, but the one thing you know that I've always done in my career, if we partner with someone, that, that word means is gold to me. You're partners. You treat them as your own, and you hope that you get the same respect in return, and you embrace it and you take advantage of the service you offer. I think what we all get guilty of is that, you know, if you go to, you know, the Ticketmaster Users Conference, or if you go to PacNet, if you go to Natso, you know, there's so many vendors, there's so many great things that you can do. And I think it goes back to the idea people. You want to bring everyone in and you want to take over the world and want to do great things. And I'm guilty of this too. You bring something in and you don't ever use all the bells and whistles that you want to use with the, with the new platform and how you use it. So, you just got to be smart. Do you have the staff in place to be able to use these new technologies or these new vendors and new third party? And how are you going to use it? You got to think, you know, two, three, four years down the road. And so um, partners are important. Um, but, but I, you know, it's been well documented. I made a decision here at Nebraska to bring our multimedia rights back in house. Um, um, we're probably one of the first and only to do it 100% in house. And you know, everyone's calling me and high-fiving me saying, great decision. I'm like, well, all I've done is make a tough decision. We haven't done anything yet. We still have to implement it and do it right. So um, I think there's a time and a place for all partnerships. But at the end of the day, you better make sure you're getting a return on investment. You better make sure that it's something that's going to provide value to your customers, value to your athletic director, value to your sports teams, um, you know, value to your student athletes. If it doesn't do that, and you're doing it because you've been friends with this person for a long time or you think, you know, you know, Matt, your buddy, your buddies in, you know, in the Mountain West at UNLV or Carson, your buddies at Alabama, they're doing it. Well, you better make sure you understand that just because it works at Alabama or if it works at UNLV doesn't mean it's going to work at Colorado State, doesn't mean it's going to work at Kentucky. So I think that you just you got to vet all those things because, man, I in your role, Carson, your role, Matt, in my role, we could talk to vendors and partners all day long. And, you know, you got to be able to sift through what's going to be the best for your, your own specific needs. All right. Last, uh, last question for you here. Kind of a fun one. What is your working and ticketing horror story? I'm sure <laughs> you've got to have at least one good one. Well, this is, um, my family knows this story, and the people I worked at the time know this story, but it's not a widely known story, but um, I don't know if this is a, it wasn't a nightmare at the time, it turned into a nightmare later, but um, I'm going to go back, not even to my college athletics days, I'm going to go back to my few months working at the Louisiana Superdome, 
So that would have been 1999, probably. And uh, we had a lot of concerts and special events. It obviously wasn't just Tulane football games. And we were hosting an NSYNC concert that night. And so um, I was back in my office working on settlements, some other things. And a person working the window came back and said, listen, there's someone really upset that we don't have credentials for them at, at will call. And I said, okay. And I said, well, she's, she's throwing quite a fit. And I said, okay, well, let me talk to him. So I go up and there's this young lady with her mother there, you know, talking, saying, hey, I'm such and such. You know, I, I, am, I am friends with the band. I need to have a credential right now. And it almost got to the point where it was, it was getting a little, I don't know if it was embarrassing as much as there was a long line backing up um, behind the two of them. So I asked them to come around and inside the box office and so I could alleviate the situation. And then she made some comments that, um, that I was not a big fan of. And I, I always try to keep my cool. But I said, listen, I don't care who you are. If you don't, if they didn't leave you credentials, then I'm sorry, I can't help you. End of story. I'm going to have to escort you out of here. Well, upper management from the Superdome came running down like, Garrett, 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 stop. You need to stop right now. And I said, what's going on? It's like, here, I'll take care of it. Next day comes by. I'm like, you know, thought the situation was over. Well, I find out later. It wasn't even next day. I find out later that night. The young lady was a teenager from Kentwood, Louisiana, named Brittany Spears. And her boyfriend at the time was Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and I wasn't going to let her into the building. And um, uh, I'll admit, I, I have a guilty pleasure. I like pop music, but she was not big at that time. And she blew up in the next three months. And so every staff meeting after that, it was a joke that Britney Spears won't play in the Superdome because of the way I treated her, even though it was a joke. <laughs> it through. She played there many times. So... I know that's more of a nightmare, but uh, a more of a lesson learned on be careful how you treat people. I, I think I, I handled it well, but, um, you know, those situations are tough when people are yelling at you nonstop in the window. You just, it's a friendly reminder. Keep your cool. You just never know who you're talking to. <laughs> that is uh, an excellent story, and that story might be the one the reason my wife decides to listen to this podcast now, um, just to hear about <laughs> Brittany, but... Well, I'll give uh, a shout out, Free Britney, right? That's <laughs> I've watched a documentary. I didn't hold, hold grudges. I'm a Britney fan. <laughs> well, Garrett, we really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us and uh, share some insights with the NATSO membership. Uh, you know, you, you've been a great friend of NATSO through the years, and we appreciate that and appreciated watching your journey and, and knowing that you're a former ticketing professional and everybody can look up to uh, in a, as we go along in our roles. Well, Carson and Matt, thank you for all you guys are doing, and, and I'm a big fan of Natsal. Obviously, Natsal didn't exist when I was solely in the ticket industry, but I think it's doing great things. And, you know, I want to be a resource for, for young people or, or whomever in this business, so you know, don't ever hesitate to reach out. I, I'd like to be a resource. I'd like seeing young people grow, and I'm, I'm still a ticket person at, 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 at my heart. So uh, there's two things that will never leave my soul, and that's growing up on a dairy farm. The other is starting out in the ticket office, and I'm very passionate about both those things. So um, hang in there, guys. I know at times it can be a very monotonous um, path, but, it, you know, you're doing great work, and uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's, um, you remember, these jobs need to be fun, and um, and and it's, they are fun, they're hard work, but they're fun. So just, just always remember those things.
Well, thank you very much for the time uh, today. Carson, thanks as well for being on and hosting with us and uh, appreciate everybody who listens. And uh, on behalf of the NATSO Education Committee, thanks for joining us today and everybody have a great, great weekend.